I'm beginning a new series entitled Beyond Higher Dimensions of Worship. And we decided to just go out on the street and ask some people what their definition of worship is. So watch this. Doing good things, helping God out. Having something to believe in. I guess you, you pray to God and you think about what uh, you can do for God and what God can do for you. Well, worship just means the time where I'm actually concentrating on the things that I believe in. To me, is worshiping God, believing in God. Giving yourself to God or Jesus, whoever you worship, I guess. Good deeds, good works, good action. That's worship. It's a lifestyle. It has more to do with how you treat your waiter or your waitress than being in a big auditorium with 3,000 people, you know, singing words to a song. Praying to whatever you believe in. It means freely giving yourself to God. That's what I think that worship means. Material things. Things that that they like in their life. Fame. People. Relationships. Look. Money. 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 Their money. 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 They might even worship things that are bad for them. They idolize other people. People worship fun and uh, just anything that they feel like either provides them with an escape or provides them with just a means to elevate themselves from where they are. Uh, Their jobs, anything that can get them ahead in life. The religion that we are is a Hindu, and uh, but I'm not overly religious, so I guess um, I don't uh, spend too much time worshiping. I wouldn't say I worship anything else besides God, but I, I really don't put him first in my life. In relationships, I, I think that's just very common to put each other before God. I worship a lot of things. Money, cars, rap music. I was raised uh, on MTV, and those are the things that I've been told to worship. Well, I'm not the worshiping kind, really. If any of you see the guy that worships rap music around town, uh, you might invite him to church. But I appreciate his answer. I was raised on MTV, and that's the things I was told to worship. Isn't that amazing? And as you see, a lot of people have a lot of different definitions of worship. So that's the title of the message today, What is Worship? We're going to go right back to the very basic foundation of what worship is according to the Bible. And I really believe that most people have a difficulty defining worship. Uh, This past week, I asked several people this question, what is worship? And I got just as many varied answers. I didn't get the rap music answer because I was asking people on my staff, so I was grateful for that. (laughs) But I got a lot of different answers. And I really was asking the Lord that question. What is worship? In its basic form, what is worship? And let me explain something to you. You were born to worship. You were created to worship. You need to know what worship really is and how to worship and what God thinks worship is. All of you are worshipers. Please understand that. The question is not, are you a worshiper? The question is, whom or what do you worship? Because we all worship. All of us worship. And so I, I asked the Lord to kind of boil it down for me, and I'm going to give you a definition. You'll have to write this definition down so you can remember it. Worship is love expressed. For me, I have to get down to something very, very simple so I can get my hands around it and then I can build on it. And so this is a two-word definition. Worship is love 
expressed. For instance, it has to be love. You have to have love in your heart to be able to worship God, but you have to express that love. If it's not expressed, it's not worship. Now listen to me carefully. That doesn't mean that you have to express it like someone else expresses it. I'm not saying that. But when you look at worship all through the Bible, it was always, it always had to do with the heart and being expressed. If you express something and it's not in your heart, that's not worship. But if it's in your heart but it never gets expressed, that's not worship either. So worship is love expressed. And in order to talk about that a little more, we're going to boil that down even more. And we're going to look at both those two words, all right? So here's number one. Worship is love. Before we talk about expressing it, let's talk about love. Now, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And let me give you a little background on this chapter. September 16th, 1999, so almost seven years ago, I was praying in a prayer center. I was an associate pastor at another church, and the Lord spoke very clearly to me about planting Gateway Church in this area. And He did it through two chapters in the Bible. I don't know whether I've ever told you this or not, but you might want to read those two chapters. One is Deuteronomy 11, that we're going to read part of today, only a little part of it. And the other is Genesis 35, and we're not going to read from that today. But I, in my quiet time that day, went to those two chapters, instructed by the Lord, Genesis 35 and Deuteronomy 11, and all through there, I saw the outline for God to build a church. Even Genesis 35 begins with, move up there and build an altar to me. And so, all these things the Lord was using. Now, we're talking about loving the Lord. Let me show you some scriptures in Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11, verse 1, Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God, and keep His charge... His statutes, His judgments, and His commandments always. Now, look down at verse uh, 13. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey My commandments, which I command you today. Now, before we go on, let's just... He's about to tell us what He's commanding us to do that day. If you'll obey what I'm telling you to do today, watch this. Then He tells us to love the Lord your God and serve Him, that word serve is translated worship sometimes from the Hebrew, and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Notice heart and soul, and then look down at verse um, 22. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, and then there's a hyphen, so here are all the commandments He's commanding us to do. To love the Lord your God to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him. I'm going to make a statement, and again, if you're writing, you ought to write this down. The greatest thing you can do is love God. That's it. The number one thing you can do is love God. And so many times we say, no, we're supposed to serve God. Listen to me. If you love Him, you'll serve Him. And if you don't love Him, you won't serve Him. The way to serve God is to love God. That's the first commandment. As a matter of fact, Jesus Himself was asked, what's the first and greatest commandment? You know what He said? You remember? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first and great commandment. That's it. The greatest thing we can do is love God. Love God with all of our heart. If you want to serve Him, you've got to love Him. That's the first thing is to love God. Now, the gospel is good news. It is great news. So I'm going to give you some good news. Have you ever looked at someone else and thought, you know, I just don't love God as much as that person does. I wish I loved God. Well, let's think about that. Where does love come from? 
comes from God, right? You can't love without God. God is love, and he that knows God loves because God is love, right? So you've got to know God. Two weeks ago, I preached on true salvation. And I used some scriptures out of Ezekiel 36 where God said, I'll give you a new heart. You remember that? When you get saved, God takes the hard heart out and puts a soft heart in. Let me tell you something else that he does with this new heart. Let me just read you the scripture. You don't have to turn to it. Watch this. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Isn't that good? No, no, I know it's early, but y'all, I asked you a question there. Isn't that good? That's great. Listen, when I got saved, God gave me a heart to love Him with all of my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, right? God gave me a heart. So, I wanna, I've got great news for you today. You do love God. If you're saved, you love God. Because God gave you a heart to love Him. Now, possibly you might look around those still and say, it seems like, though, that person loves God more than I do. I, I felt that way for many years about Debbie. When I first got saved, I would look at her and I would think, you know, she just loves God more than I do. I, I, I want to love God as much as Debbie does. Well, let me tell you two things, and this is like 1A and 1B uh, if you're writing. Let me tell you two things about love. Why it appears that some people love God more than others, and actually in some case have more of an expression of love. All right. Number one is love grows. Love grows. How many of you here have children? Can I see your hands? All right. When you first held that baby, the first time you ever held your baby, did you love that baby? Okay. Now, though, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, do you love that child less, the same, or more? More. Isn't it amazing? And you don't think you could love them anymore, but you do. Now, you might not like them more uh, <laughs> because there could be some things that you're working through, but you love them. More. Why? Because love grows. The more time you spend with someone, the more you get to know them, the more you communicate heart to heart. And we're the only species on earth that can do that. We're the only ones that can communicate heart to heart. The more you do that, the more your love grows for that person. And the more time you know them. Well, the reason right after I got saved that it seemed like Debbie loved God more than I did was because I got saved at 19 she got saved at nine. She'd already been walking with God and talking with God ten years before I got saved. She'd already gotten to know Him as a person before, and I just met Him. I just met Him. So let me give you some encouragement. If you're new in the Lord, listen, you love God because God gave you a heart to love Him. You do love Him. But the longer you know Him, the more you're going to love Him. Your love's going to grow. Is that good? Y'all are too quiet this morning because that's... I mean, I'm surprising myself with the wise things I'm saying up here. This is exciting to me, how good this is coming out, this message. All right, so why is it that some people love God more than others? Well, love grows, but let me tell you the second thing about love. Love leaks. Love leaks. For instance, if you get a hole in your heart, some love can leak out. And do you know what Satan is always trying to do? He's always trying, this is Ephesians 6, to shoot arrows at us. And he's trying to shoot arrows through your heart. And he's trying to get your heart discouraged or your heart depressed 
Are your heart hard? Are your heart uh, bitter? He's doing everything he can to shoot an arrow through your heart so that your love for God will leak. And listen to me carefully. If you have idols in your heart, and we're going to spend the whole message on idols in your heart. If you have idols in your heart, you don't love God as much as you could. Because your heart is going after other things. And if your heart is going after something other than God, you're in trouble. And so you look at someone else and you say, gosh, that person really loves God. I don't love God that much. Check your heart. It's not that you have a bad heart because God gave you a new heart, but it's that you've allowed some other things to steal your love for God. So, first of all, worship is love. Worship is love. It has to come from a pure heart. Here's the second thing about worship. Worship is love expressed. It has to be expressed. Love has to be expressed. It's amazing to me how many people will say, well, you know, I'm just not as expressive as other people and all, and I just don't do that. Listen to me carefully. If you're married and you never express your love, your marriage is in trouble. You tell your spouse, I love you. I am in love with you. I love you. And you express your love, not only through things you say, but things you do. That's a good marriage. But if you never express your love, you're in trouble. You can't say to your, to your wife, you know, I, I told you I loved you 40 years ago, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. It's not good enough. You've got to express that love. You've got to keep that love alive, and you keep it alive by expressing it. If you grew up in a family where love was not expressed, you grew up in a dysfunctional family. Because love was always, always, always meant by God to be expressed. Always. Now, turn to Genesis chapter 4. And let me show you. The first time, there's a word here. This is the first reference to worshiping in the Bible. Genesis chapter 4. And it's the first time that people began to express their love to God. Now, let me tell you again, we're the only species on earth that can communicate heart to heart. I don't mean to burst your bubble. I watch the Discovery Channel too. But animals can't talk. Now listen to me. They might be able to warn other animals of danger. They might be able to do things like that. But they cannot communicate their heart. Animals cannot talk. I know I'm coming up against some resistance here. I can prove it to you. Go home and talk to your dog. And I do this all the time. We have a a stupid dog. And the dog, I feel like, he's six years old, but I think he has Alzheimer's. Because every time I come in the room, he barks at me. Every time. I'm talking about every day. He wakes up in a new world every morning. He doesn't know what house he's in. And I say to this dog, sometimes I say to him, I say, you know, you're so stupid. Yes, you are. You're just stupid as you can be. You know, okay. He just like this. He just loves it. And I'm telling him he's an idiot. And he's just excited as he can be. Because he can't communicate. I, I saw that on the Discovery Channel one day. There's a guy that sits in a room all day long and listens to whales. That's all he does. He just listens to whales. You know, all that's what he does. And so one day they said to him, Bob, what are the whales saying? You know what he said? He said, he's lonely. No, you're lonely, pal. <laughs> You've been sitting in this room too long. All right, look at Genesis 4. Genesis 4, verse 25. 
And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed, and that's what Seth means, appointed by God, elected by God. It refers to a holy seed. Another seed for me instead of Abel. Abel, by the way, meant breath of God. El, E-L, means God, and A means breath. Breath of God, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Now watch this statement carefully. Then men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Let me read you the last part of that verse out of the New Living Translation. It was during his lifetime that people first began to worship the Lord. Here it is in the message. That's when men and women begin praying and worshiping in the name of God. Up until then, I'm going to throw a new thought toward you. But up until then, read every conversation that any person had with God before this verse. You know what it is? Every conversation that Adam and Eve and Cain had with God that we have recorded in the Bible before this verse was them answering questions, not initiating the conversation. This is the first reference we have when people begin to call on the name of the Lord, which is what we did. We sang songs this morning about His name, about who He is, how great He is, how awesome He is. That's what we did. This started in Genesis chapter 4 at the end of that chapter. There was a a holy seed. There was two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain did not really respect the Lord. Abel did. Cain killed Abel. And so God gave another seed. You want to know why? Because he had to bring the Lord Jesus through a holy seed. And Cain had already been kicked out of the presence of God. And so he gave Seth. And Seth had a child, a son named Enosh. And it was in his lifetime that men began to worship God. That people begin to call on the name of the Lord. That people begin to communicate with God. Now, I said earlier, worship is love expressed. Let me say it another way. Worship is love communicated. It is simply communicating your love to God and God communicating His love to you. I also said you were created to worship. Let me say it another way. You were created to love and be loved. You were created to receive God's love and give God's love back to Him. And the angels were not created for that purpose. We're the only ones that God created to love. Isn't that good? Now, I realize that men and women communicate differently. This is fact. There are some men who are more verbal and some women who are less verbal. But all the secular studies show Women communicate, now catch this, women communicate by listening and talking. Now, I know you ladies are thinking, that's how you communicate, buddy. (laughs) But that's not how men communicate. Men communicate by watching and doing. Watching and doing. Women communicate by listening and talking. Men communicate by watching and doing. Men can do things together and never talk, and they're closer. It's true. Two men can go hunting or fishing together for the whole weekend, not say five words, and come back best friends. It's called male bonding. And you ladies don't like it because you can't do it. (laughs) You don't bond with someone without talking. 
I told Debbie the other day, I said, I can play golf with a guy four hours and not say four words, and I feel closer to him. She said, if I'm with a lady four hours, I'm going to know every intimate detail of her life. I guarantee it when I finish. Because that's how they communicate. And so men go out, and we go out, and we do something together, and then we come home. But you know what you ask us every time we get home? What would y'all talk about? And what do we say? Nothing. And let me tell you something. We're not lying to you. It's the truth. Tom, pick up that microphone. I'm going to give you an example, all right? I'll just give you an example. Ladies, I want you to remember this. Hey, Tom. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. How's your day? Pretty good. How's yours? Good. What's going on? Not much. What's up with you? Nothing. Okay, you just witnessed 99% of all male conversations right there. That's it. That's the way men talk. I promise you. That's, that's 99% of our conversation right there. We're telling you the truth. Men watch and do. Ladies listen and talk. Isn't that right? What are women always telling us? Listen to me. And so I'll focus. And I really try. I'm going to really try to listen. And in a few moments, here's what she'll say. Talk to me. I thought you wanted me to listen. We watch and do. Now, here's what's funny. Ladies will figure this out. So finally, here's what they'll say. Let's do something together. You know what he'll say? You want to watch the game? (laughs) We watch and do. Are you all following me? Matter of fact, men do lunch. Is that right? That's what a man says. Let's do lunch. Let's do lunch. And then when we get home, what do we get asked again? What y'all talk about? And what do we say? Nothing. It's true. And then women go to lunch. Women don't do lunch. They have lunch. Women go to lunch to talk. Men go to lunch to eat. And then when women get home, when they get home for lunch, what do men ask them? What would y'all do? And what do they say? We didn't do anything. We had lunch. Are, y'all, are you following me? By the way, if you want to get your spouse to talk, you've got to speak his or her language. For instance, when men come home from a trip, don't ask them what they talk about. Ask him, what do you do? He'll say, well, we got about six. We made breakfast. We went fishing. We did it. He'll tell you all sorts of stuff. He's asking what he did. Same thing. When a woman comes home, don't ask her, what would you do? Ask her, what would y'all talk about? But you better have some time. Men like to watch and do. Everyone with me? By the way, that's why men like to drive. Because they can watch and do at the same time. 
unless they have to listen to someone talk. (laughs) I'm joking. Here's the reason that I'm going through all this with you. Because I understand we worship differently. I understand that. Do you realize, though, that for hundreds of years there was no strong male leadership in the church? Do you know that? And because of that, the church became feminized. Everything in the church began to look like women. I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical here. What I'm saying is that in the last 20 to 30 years, God has done a revival among the men. And I'm excited about that. But I want to take it a step further, and I want to let all of you men know you can still worship even though you communicate differently. You can do things for God. You can serve God. You can express your love to Him by doing something. I was thinking, even this morning, we were singing that song, and it just hit me this morning. Let me show you the words, the part of the song we are saying. This is for, look, so what can I say? That's for the women. And what can I do? That's for the men. But offer this heart. Men, you can still worship God. You can lift your hands, because I've seen you lift your hands at ball games. You can clap, and you can serve, and you can express your love to God. You can still worship, even though you're a man, you can worship. Many of you know, uh, a little over a year ago, Debbie's father went to be with the Lord. I preached his funeral service. We had to move the service to the largest auditorium in town. And here's something you need to know about him. He hardly ever said anything. He hardly ever talked. I would finish his sentences for him all the time, and he liked it that way because he wouldn't have to use as many words. He'd say, Robert, get your, um, I'd say, keys. Yeah. He'd say, we're going to go to, um, say, Walmart. Yep. Then he'd say, we're going to get some. Now, that was tough because Walmart carries a lot of things. (laughs) But he hardly ever talked, but his funeral was packed to overflowing, and right after we started the service, 11 state troopers came down the aisle and sat right there. And he wasn't a trooper, but he knew every one of them because anytime someone had trouble, he was there, and he took care of them. And 11 state troopers led his funeral procession. And I talked to one of them, and I said, have you ever done this for... He said, we've never done this, not even for a city policeman. We only do it for state troopers. This is the first time we've ever done it for a civilian. And I said, why? This is what the trooper said. Because that man was the greatest servant of the people of anyone in this area. He expressed his love constantly in his language by doing things. You can express your love. Worship is love expressed. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? We've just come out of a season where many, many people have given their lives to the Lord. If you're here today and you need to give your life to the Lord, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're here today and you know you've got some holes in your heart, and you don't really love God as much as you need to, or you've got some idols in your heart, some things that are stealing your love for God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with someone. It's very, very easy. In just a moment, we're going to stand, and Pastor Carrie's going to sing. And while she sings, 
We're, I'm just, we're going to have leaders here at the front, and I want you just to come to one of those. As soon as we stand in just a moment, those on the, what we call the altar ministry team, they'll come immediately to the front. They'll be ready. They'll be right here at the altar waiting for you. If you have a need in your life, if there's a difficulty you're going through, please don't ever come to church with a need and leave without praying with someone. This is as much a part of the service as anything we do. Don't think the service is over because the message is over. This time where people can come and one-on-one pray with someone and get help and come to know the Lord. Or, or, get, or maybe they're a strong believer, but they can pray with someone about something going on in their life. This is just as important. You may be here and have been here for years and have never come to the altar for prayer. Maybe you're even a leader in Gateway and you think, well, I, I, I shouldn't be going down for prayer. Every believer needs prayer. Every believer needs someone to agree with him or her. So please, if you need prayer for something... I'm going to pray. After I pray, we'll stand. And as we sing this last worship song, if you need prayer or ministry, you just come to one of the leaders at the front and let us minister to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw every person, every person who needs prayer, every person who needs to come to the Lord, to come back to the Lord, I pray you'll draw them right now. In Jesus' name, amen.